welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Wellington, New Zealand, I'm Dave Wood, and joining me from Devon, England, is Dave Knott. So over the last couple of weeks, Dave, I've, I've been getting sort of deeper into SwiftUI, which has, has been something that I've been looking at sort of ever since it was announced, but I've not really actually kind of coded it in, in earnest up until, like I say, maybe the last two or three weeks or so. Yeah, so 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 one of the things that I've been doing with it is I I spent a fair bit of time sort of for the first first week kind of pulling together a um like a draft architecture rather rather than just going sort of straight in and and um coding everything the same way as I sort of see in all of the tutorials and things. There's a number of things that I've sort of seen within example code and tutorials that I've sort of looked and gone. Does it have to be done like that? Is that really the right way to do that because I feel like I'm losing a few things uh, kind of okay. compared to how I would code with with UIKit these days. And so I sort of spent a bit of time trying to kind of emulate some of the best bits of the architectures that I've used in, in UIKit and try and bring that to sort of Swift UI. So I've had, had a bit of a go at sort of uh, doing a, a draft MVVM kind of uh, architecture for Swift UI which sort of seems to be the go-to, actually, sort of looking at what's out there um, when people stop sort of putting everything all inside of the Swift UI view, including business logic and all sorts of other bits and bobs. The, the next step seems to be ab- to abstract stuff away and uh, and to use a view model along with the Swift UI view. Okay, so what, what, what did you feel like you lost? You said you felt like you were losing a couple of things okay. by doing it like the standard way. Okay, so what what I feel is is I don't feel that there's actually a proper standard way in, in much the same way as uh, as a lot of existing kind of Apple example code is is sort of just it's MVC by default, and then depending on which example you look at depends on kind of what flavor of it you get because um, there's a lineage to some of the the examples that Apple have, and so I feel like SwiftUI is much the same is that there's not really a, a, a de facto standard. But what I see is that the way SwiftUI works is it kind of forces a lot of um, a lot of the example code to have this blend of the view layer and the business logic layer, and so you've got everything just all in 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 place in, in one place, and it's kind of um, it's not a hundred percent like that because you've got bindings and stuff like that that sort of can give you um, changes in the global state sort of through the environment objects and things like that as well so it's not 100 percent everything is just all in 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 the view because with combine you can kind of abstract some of it away but a lot of the examples i look at and i'm like okay if i want to unit test that how do i pull that bit away um if i wanted to make that more generic so it's just a, a set of screens and a flow how do i pull that completely away rather than it being one one sort of big soup of everything together um and so the 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 grind i've felt when looking at examples has been very much sort of like well that that's great and that works but in a practical day-to-day sense where i'm making um code in my day job that that i want to work with with team members and where we want to be able to have flexibility about the um about the way different screens are, are used you know, we might pull flows from one area to another area of an app, and I don't want it to be a major supporting wall every time. 
so I want things to be modular modularized um which is what we do today with with um architectures like MVVM and MVP combined with coordinator objects um for UIKit so I wanted that I wanted that that modularization and I didn't want to close the door on unit testing either and and, and to be honest when uh you've got a lot of logic embedded inside of the views then you are kind of cutting yourself out from being able to unit test in a, a practical fashion. So that, that that was part of my grind with uh, with a lot of the examples. It's funny, like listening to you talk, I, I, I don't know. I, I've never felt the need to step away from like the standard way. Mm-hmm. And when I hear you talk about stuff like this, it always makes me feel like I'm somehow like not doing it well or like not doing it right. Okay. As as in when I've been like, so I started out with Swift UI. I've started building up um, for for read lists that I'm building, and at no point have I thought, oh, you know, what, it'd be great if I came up with this MVVM thing or or, or whatever. Yep. I'm I'm almost not sure I'd know what to look for to make me think, oh, I need to do the MMVM thing or MVVM thing. Okay. Um, do you, do you yeah. see where I'm coming from? Yeah, I do. I, I don't I know do. whether I'm just. I don't know whether I'm just not pushing it enough, and not like doing super advanced developer things, or just not enough of a developer to warrant this stuff. I think it's um, it's, it's it's a thing of it being kind of horses for courses, and in terms of what you what you want to achieve and what you're doing. And part of my my thing here is that I want to not just make something that works with SwiftUI. But I also want to make something with SwiftUI that I would feel that I could use in my day job. And the constraints of, of what I do um, at Paperkite and the way we, we work um, as, a, as an iOS development team uh, to a degree kind of um, dictates things like having a sort of standardized architecture and, and the, the benefits that we get from it. Whereas I could kind of see if I was just working solo and that was the only sort of thing that I needed to worry about that I was the only developer on it it wouldn't necessarily dictate that I would go hard out for an architecture straight up um, the other side of it is is that I like some of what this this approach sort of gives me back so I like being able to look and sort of go well, okay I, I, I've got this code here and I know exactly how I'm going to wrap a unit test around it around this part of it um, and then knowing that means that I can then add those tests and I've, I've got a, a code base that has then got the unit tests sort of inside of it and, and gives me that assurance. But again, working solo, I don't necessarily have that constraint. So if all I wanted to achieve was to get the app built and to be, be you know, making my product, if you like, none of this would necessarily need to, to be a driving force. You know, you don't, okay. need, you don't need this just to be able to create um, and perhaps the opposite, if, if if going down this route was going to stop you from ever getting anything done, then there's no point to it. You may as well just get coding and just get on the tools. Yeah, I mean, sitting here now, the only thing I can think of that I'm not doing um, or that I haven't done in the past, but I want to start doing before I get too far down the road with coding read list is testing. Yeah. So I guess my question to you as someone that's done testing from me, someone who hasn't, is could I just use the sort of vanilla Apple MVC way or you know Swift UI way and 
get by with testing or or would I need to sort um, of take the route you've taken? You'd hit a point where you hit you would hit an edge in terms of the level of, of kind of overhead that you would need to apply to get your to get what you've built to the position where you're just testing one thing. So the the route that you end up with 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 sort of the the uh, standards the wrong word but the kind of the, the place that most people end up in um just to sort of illustrate an example and a lot of apple's code kind of classes as that as well for swift ui um the place you end up in is is that if you just want to test that one thing to get your app or that that view to that position um you'll pro- you will probably find that you've got a lot of like extra code to write in the test because you've not pulled away those specific interactions into their own object that you can just test on its own. So one of the things that like MVVM gives you straight up is is the view model itself if you do it um, in quite a sort of specific way. Um, you can test the view model's interactions when you give it certain things. Um, and then that leads yourself to a, um, a situation where you've, you've, you've put all that that business logic that would have existed inside of the the main view, if you like, you know, when when I'm in this state because I'm, I'm logged in or I'm logged out or whatever, I, I'm then able to sort of see these items. I don't know, just as a for instance, if I'm logged in, then my settings screen might have these extra bits, and right. I want to check I want to check that those extra bits are created in that circumstance, and just being able to sort of set a test up that sort of goes okay. I'm logged in, and I want to see that that the settings screen contains these items. Um, and if you've if you've built it in the sort of standard way, then accessing the bit that is just giving you back what those items are, and putting it into the state of being logged in, that may actually be quite a number of different steps to sort of get yourself there. Um, so when you've got an architecture that kind of pulls these bits away, you can sort of go, well, okay, I'm going to set that bit up. So I'm logged in. Yes, I've just set a Boolean on this, this mock object, if you like. Um, and then I can now just test the function that produces the um, produces something like an array of enums or whatever that drives the setting screen. And I can then check that those enums contain the logged in stuff. And if you've abstracted enough away, you've kind of made the, the job of writing the test very, very easy. The flip side to that is, have you made the job of writing the code easy or not? And if you come <laughs> at it, if you come in at it from first principles, um, and without having sort of you know, done a few passes of this before, then the, the the chances are the overhead on writing the code in that way is going to be quite high, sort of straight up. Uh, because you're not just going to have to approach just writing a setting screen and displaying it and you know maybe having like a a boolean flag or whatever to sort of check that you're logged in and to drive that bit of state but what else did i talk about i talked about the idea of having an object that drives the logged in state so that's one abstraction and then having maybe something like a list of enums that describes the things that can be shown on the setting screen so that's another abstraction and implicit to that i would then have a view model that is sort of bringing everything together that the view layer talks to to get all of these things and set itself up that's actually a lot of overhead straight out of the gate if you're if all you did before was just have a view um have a state flag or something that's published for the logged in 
and you just drove the view down one route or the other. Um, you know, comparatively, it's a lot more overhead. So like, that's what I, that's what I meant when I sort of said like it. It's kind of horses for courses. It depends on what you're trying to achieve. If your requirement, like I said, is to just get the, the thing built and get it out there and and you know get user feedback and do all that sort of stuff, you probably don't need the tests at that stage. You might never need the tests. You might never need to drive it down that route. I feel like I should do tests. I feel like there's there's um there's perhaps benefit in doing things like UI testing rather than testing individual bits of code. So if if you're quite happy with the approach that you're taking and everything is is working otherwise for the development, one thing you can tack on without going through all of that sort of setup and config, configuration is unit is UI tests to a degree. You can record navigating through um, the app so you can start a new UI test and just hit the record button. You can navigate the app to specific places. Um, and there may be some extra work you need to do to sort of put it in certain states or whatever, but that um, it doesn't need to necessarily be as involved as, as I've described before. Um, so you can do things like you can send flags through to the app and, and the app can then set some sort of global state at the start that says, okay, I'm now logged in if I receive this this flag. Um, sort of mock where you are. Um, right. And if you do that, which this is what I did for screenshotting and, and automating screenshots, and so I think there's a benefit there for writing those sort of tests that take you to specific places and maybe like doing a snapshot of the screenshots and then using Fastlane or something with um, with the snapshots um, library to generate you a bunch of screenshots that just test for specific flows. So you might have like a bunch of UI tests that test for things like um, your login flow, as an example taking a screenshot of each screen along the way and then you give it say three or four of the key um, types of devices you want to look for and just once you've configured it all you just type the fast lane um, command into the, the terminal and 15 minutes later or whatever you've got all your screenshots for that flow and then you can compare them visually against each other so it's just like a human process of reviewing them yeah yeah, and I think there's some benefit to a silo developer of perhaps spending a bit of time with that because, you know, if you've got something that's actually quite involved and where, like, you know, just changing one bit of padding or constraint or whatever could yeah. potentially sort of stuff up a bunch of devices, there's a benefit there immediately to you sort of having that kind of coverage and, and visibility. Um, so so yeah. that, that that's something that I would say would be kind of your, your sort of minimum testing sort of route for... For a solo dev who's doing quite fine, thank you very much. Without all of this architecture, um, I would say that would be a good, a good way of getting into testing. Yeah, and just part of me's always felt, and I've said this before, and I don't know whether I'm just like being stubborn now, or just sort of like believing my own sort of rubbish. Is is a as like a, a solo? I almost feel there's a benefit of sort of keeping it simple. Yep. And if I ever need any guidance or any whatever, just like there's going to be tons of resources. Whereas I feel like if I was to start going down a certain architecture route, then there's going to be less perhaps for me to less resources for me to, to find. I I don't know. I just feel like I need to, if I just kind of stay on the bandwagon, wherever Apple go, I follow, I figure I can't go too far wrong. Yeah. I don't know whether that's just me not, not being like 
my spirit of adventure not being very good <laughs> or, or, or what really, but I just feel like I, you know, time is limited enough as it is. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's probably for me anyway, could be different for, for a lot of others, but for me, I, I just need to kind of stick to the well-trodden path. Um, yeah. but, but it, testing is one thing that I haven't done. I know almost nothing about, but I want to do it. So when I hear you say stuff like this about, oh, it's for testing, that's when my ears kind of prick up. There's um, th- th- there's kind of halfway houses for some of it as well. So like what I described before, that would give you, you know, good a, a good strategy for um, for kind of when you've got something done, for then making sure that um, if you change it in some way, that you can kind of just r- very rapidly look for for regressions and and problems in in the the ui and i think that would give you give you a lot back um there's another one where if you've got specific things that are like global state or managing um in terms of talking to a database or that sort of stuff or even doing like um i don't know managing a document storage with icloud you probably want to pull all those things into a manager object at some point or something like that um and then there's there's things you can do there where okay if I make my make a global manager object that's in charge of doing x y and z um, that the view layer then talks to to get these things done you know like okay database manager give me a list of of all of these types of objects so that then I can like you know create a list on on the view yeah um, then rather than having all of these database calls inside of each view where they happen because you're probably going to reuse them as well in different places, pull them yeah. into a, a manager object and then have have that set up in such a way that, that I mean, like a, a simple way of injecting it down from the top might be that you, you sit it um, inside of the environment object and then it's available to every single view. Um, but by pulling all that logic into the manager object on its own, then you've you've standardized every single call to the database and that pays you back as well because it means you've not got to sort of like go, all right, I'm doing it like this over here now. So I've now got to update like, you know, the five screens that always access that object. If you see what I mean, you've, you've, you've pulled everything that you were perhaps duplicating in different places into one spot. So I think that would be a thing that wouldn't, um, wouldn't really dictate the rest of the sort of architecture of the app too far. Um, but would give you a lot of these sort of benefits back. And the other way of, of kind of approaching that is that once you've got your your kind of manager object for something like that, you could um, define how it behaves uh, via a protocol, um, or you could define some of its outputs um, back to the app or something um, in that way, where um, when you're testing if you were to build a unit test set of unit tests around the manager object, um, you could potentially get it into a state where um, you can just test that one thing. So I don't, I don't know where I'm kind of trying to go, but if you had like a manager that was around um, adding a a new um, note to a list of notes, for example. Yeah. And it was supposed to then save those things out to to your local um cache directory or something like that um you might actually abstract 
abstract that in a couple of ways. You might end up with two managers at that point. Maybe you've got the manager that the app sorts to for the database, but then that one talks to something else to do the actual saving. So, you know, once I've created a bunch of these objects um, and I now want to save them out to um, a database in the local cache directory, just as an example, um, it then talks to this other thing um, to go and get that work done. And in your unit tests, if you've abstracted um, both of those classes out with um, a protocol that defines what they can and what they can do, you can mock one of them and then you can test the, the function on the other. So you can then sort of say, okay, well, given um, I call the add note function and I give it a um, a string of blah, I should then get a call out to the the, the object that saves in the cache directory. Um, with an actual note object, and that note object should have a um, a description inside of it that reads blah. And so, when you've kind of abstracted it out to that level, you can you can test these very specific interactions, and you could do that regardless of whether you're using MVVM, MVC, coordinators, whatever. That's where I'm going to land. I think. Yeah. Yeah. To hear you describe it, I've, that's kind of how I've started to build read list anyway. Like the way you sort of kind of describe like database managers and stuff. Um, so that's like the general approach I'm taking. Yeah. So I think how you describe doing those tests is probably, yeah, that's probably where I'll land. I think that gives you it gives you some level of of assurance back, and I think you need to kind of go back to well, why am I writing tests? Who are they for? What are they trying to achieve? Um, you know, like the reasons why I might write a test in quote-unquote, the day job, if you like. It might just be because the client wants a certain level of code coverage, for example. That's just the assurance that they've decided they want to exist. Um, and then at that point, you're, you kind of, it sounds awful to say it, but you end up sort of feeling like you might be writing tests for test's sake, almost, because it's just part of the job. And then having an architecture that lets you do it easily is, is you know, you're, you're helping yourself out there because that's one of the requirements and constraints. As a solo dev, you're, the reason why you're writing a test um, it could vary, but I would say for me, you know, I'm writing a test to make sure that this really gnarly area of code um, is explained to future me, and I might be writing, I would be writing tests in that way to sort of say, well, okay, um, if I come back in six months' time and I completely gut out this area of this manager. Um, that's a supporting wall and how much of it have I have I you know damaged or, or got wrong. And so like tests will protect me from that. But I don't necessarily need to test the you know the ins and outs on every single individual screen. I just need to test that bit on that manager because that's where the real risk is. Yes. You know? Yeah. That's that's it I think, isn't it? Um for me it's kinda like I I kind of live in fear of a bit of regression. Yeah. As well. Like as you, you change something and then it kind of makes it worse or goes wrong or you push out an update and you break stuff for certain users. So I think like you say, those particular areas of code that you know are like the hot zones. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, you're gonna push out a release and it all comes crashing down, you know it's gonna be sort of in that area or that area probably. Well those yeah. two areas are where I'm gonna to wanna to put my tests. Um Yeah, I see what you're saying. And and I imagine my personality being what it is once I get into this, I feel like I could end up testing and testing and just doing tests yeah. and no actual development. Like yep. like you say, testing for testing's sake. 
Um, generally, I kind of go to the extreme of something. When I when it's new, then I end up sort of dialing it back a bit and trying to find some middle ground. I think that middle ground is will be sort of like they say, identifying those really gnarly areas that are going to be the, the the problem zones, if you like. Yeah. When it comes to pushing out updates and try and get some kind of coverage on those. For me, I, I think of things like in the context of an RSS reader, um, things like the 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 feed parser. So if I think, oh, you know, I'll update the feed parser and then bang, it doesn't read like a certain type of atom feed anymore. Yep. Um, that kind of thing is what I've got in mind. So then you've got a situation there where you could um, you could keep hold of specific types of RSS as as files in their own right. And yeah. then your unit test could be very literally just, I'm going to give the RSS reader object this file and I'm going to test what, what its output is. Yes. And you've got a very specific input and output that you can validate against itself there. Um, that sounds like a good candidate, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah for very for much. a test. Yeah. And, you know, what will happen is, <clears throat> if you've got a mechanism like this, um, if you ever encounter something that breaks it and you then fix it, that is automatically a candidate for you to save that breaking bit of RSS yeah. <laughs> and write a test around it that sort of says, well, okay, I'm going to keep this as one of my test ones because actually this was, was something I had to hotfix and I don't ever want to have to hotfix it again. You know that your hotfix won't have broken all the previous ones that you had tested against. Absolutely, yeah. 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 So I think yeah. those, that's the sort of test strategy that I think could really benefit somebody working solo. And yeah, I'd agree that, you know, the sort of route I've been going um, to sort of abstract quite a few things is probably a lot of overhead for somebody just working on their own. Um, and it's probably just fair to say that, it's, well, why am I doing it this way when I am just working on my own on this project? Um, because this is going to underpin the the rewrite that I'm doing for my VJ app. Um, and the thing for me is that I don't like switching gears. So when I've got to work one way sort of full time, I don't then want to go and work a completely different way that's really, really loose um, on side projects because uh, it's, a, it's a gear shift. It's not even about the habits that you're, you're getting or whether something's a right or a wrong way to code. For me, it's just like, well, I, don't, I want to be pointing myself in the same direction so I'm in the same sort of flow. And then I get all these other benefits. You know, if I want to change a screen here or there, then it's that bit more flexible because I've automatically made it modular on it for each screen. So it makes it easier for me to, to reroute stuff. That's cool. That's a good benefit. Um, but you've paid for that benefit by paying down the, the, the extra overhead of working in this way. Uh, yeah. te- testability is the same sort of thing. You know, okay, I'm probably not going to write tests for every single screen. I'm just not for my own stuff. Um, but having the ability to, to go back afterwards and things are sort of automatically abstracted enough that I can write the tests, that that's helpful to me. Because if I find that something has been particularly sort of gnarly, then I can, it's not TDD, you know, it's not test-driven development. I'm, I've done the development and now I'm doing the tests, but at least I can go back there and, and do it sort of with minimal effort. Um. Yeah, I would agree. It's a lot of overhead and, and I'm essentially kind of paying paying a debt that might not ever be needed to be paid as well when I'm working on my own stuff. Uh, so there's a bit of tension there, for sure. 
Yeah, but like you say, the switching gears is where you'll... Well, the lack of needing to switch gears, like you say, if you're working a certain way in the day job yeah, and having to switch to how you do it on the side projects, I, I can see exactly why you've done it. Um, yeah. And, so you can, are you going to open source this or anything? I or is have, it open source? I, I have open sourced it. So I, I laid you down my, my initial template, yeah. Um, so I've got a repo. Um, we, we can link that in the show notes. But um, yeah, that that's my sort of first stab at kind of laying everything out. And... I'm already after sort of using it for the last week or so on GoVJ. Um, there's a number of things that I'm probably going to pull back onto that repo as well. So it was very much a sort of statement of intent. You know, this is what I think an abstraction could be. And, and um, I've got um, an MVVM set up with um, a, co- a set of coordinator objects that kind of give views to views. Um, so they're responsible for sort of creating um, sub modules, if you like, and distributing them back to the to the modules that are on screen. Um, and I'm already finding that there's one or two sort of niggles with working in that way. And, and that was the other thing is that this for me it's uncharted territory to some degree. I've not worked with SwiftUI before, and I was going to sort of find bits that didn't work. But part of the reason for sort of having a play and doing it this way was to sort of find out where those bits are. And then, you know, again, that improves me for for the day job and for everything else as well, because in another year or so's time, uh, we'll, we'll probably be able to use it on a on a, a real life project, as it were, on a on a, cons- a customer's app. Um, so doing this sort of helps me kind of learn for that as well. Um, but yeah, there's a there's an open source project. It's definitely got some edges on it. Um, I'm probably going to add some bits to it over the next week or two. Uh, yeah, and I'd welcome anybody else's input as well. Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, also we have our slack channel we'd love to invite you to join our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out if you'd like to join uh, just leave us a message on twitter at wfr podcast and we'll get you signed up so dave before we run off where can people find you you can find me on twitter at dw roboheads that's robohead spelled with a z and you can find my apps at roboheads.com again that's robohead spelled with a z how about you dave you can follow me online at davenot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore davenot.com.